0: Uh, We're in a series called, God is for us. God is for you. Point to yourself and say, God is for me. What does that mean when he says he's for us? That means he's on our side. He's on our side. And that means that because he's for us, and because he's on our side, we have nothing to fear. When we get an understanding and a revelation of the greater one who indwells us, then that will turn fear out of doors. That means that our days of being anxious and fearful are over with because we've got an understanding that the Lord is on our side. Amen? Amen? Amen. Dan Higgins said it this way, you know, if God be for us, what difference does it make who's against us? Right? Praise God. He's for you. He's for me. Remember that in your midnight hour. God is for you. God's on your side. Amen? It's a whole lot better than having Michael Jordan on your team. Of course, Michael doesn't play much anymore, but uh, you know, we could say Kawhi Leonard or Steph Curry. Amen. We got the creator of the universe living on the inside of us. Now, I want you to notice a verse... Um, in Exodus, in chapter 23, I believe it is, and I'm going to turn there. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. It's great that we have uh, scriptures, you know, on the, on the uh, whatever that is, and uh, it's great to have that, but you know, it's also good to turn. It's also good to bring your Bible uh, to church, amen, and also it's good to read your Bible. Now notice this in Exodus, uh, the 23rd chapter, and uh, I believe we're going to look at verse uh, 22. Exodus chapter 23, verse 22, when you you have it, say, I have it. Notice this with me. Amen. Holding. Praise God. Exodus, the 23rd chapter, and verse 22. Is that right? 22. Now, I don't know what Exodus is in Spanish. Do you know PT? Maybe it's Exodus. <laughs> All right. You ready, Ron? All right. Good. Exodus 23:22 says, But if thou shalt obey his voice now the context of that scripture he's talking about angels here now you bring the context over the new covenant obeying his voice is obeying his word it's obeying the leadings of the Holy Spirit it's obeying his voice now notice this if thou shalt indeed obey his voice Now that word, if there, is conditional. So the rest of the verse is conditioned upon our obedience. Amen. But if thou shalt indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy unto thine enemies and an adversary unto thine adversaries. Do we have an enemy? Do we have an adversary? But do we have someone bigger than the enemy that we face and the adversaries that come against us? He's much, much bigger. And he is absolutely opposed or against what is opposed or what is against you. Amen. Amen. That means he is for us and he's against what's against us. That's good news. Amen. 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 Now, with that in mind, turn to Isaiah, the 54th chapter. And notice here a great verse, Isaiah 54, and we'll notice in verse 17, that would be, now 17 would be 10 Siete. right? 10 See, I took Spanish as a little boy. They used to have those big TVs. They'd bring into the uh, the classroom, and the guy's name was Don Miguel, and he'd say "Hola," and we'd say "Hola, Don Miguel." What does this have to do with the message? Nothing. We're just waiting until we get over to Isaiah 54. Isaiah 54. Now, notice this with me in verse 17. No weapon. Let's stop right there. So, a weapon, as the Bible says, that is formed against us comes from an enemy and it comes from an opponent. Right? But God said, I'm an enemy to your enemies. So, He says here now, no weapon formed against thee shall prosper. No weapon. Now, say that with me. No weapon. No weapon of the enemy, even though it may be formed against me, I believe, and I declare that those weapons shall not they 'll not prosper. Another way we could say it is this: the weapons that are formed against us they will not succeed if God be before us. What could successfully be against us? No weapon. No weapon. No weapon weapon formed against thee shall prosper. And every tongue. How many of you know that people's tongues can be a weapon? That are formed against us. If you've had someone speak badly about you, don't enter into that Uh, realm of fighting flesh and blood just declare any tongue that rises against me will not prosper it'll not prosper in every tongue that shall rise against me in judgment who will condemn it thou shalt condemn and then he goes on to say this belongs to you Mm -hmm. something that's a heritage is something that you own or something that belongs to you. You have a rich heritage in Christ Jesus. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, of the sons and daughters of the Lord. Is somebody gambling? I hope you hit the jackpot. That's all right, just turn it off. It's okay, don't be embarrassed. It happens to the worst of us. <laughs> don't please don't be embarrassed. It's okay. We're family tonight. We're having a Bible study, right? We're just chilling, right? Yes. Amen. We're chilling and grilling. All right. No weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper, and every tongue that shall rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is your heritage. Yeah. This belongs to you, sons of God. This belongs to you, servants of the Most High God. And, he didn't stop there. And, incidentally, not only will no weapon be formed against you will prosper, not only shall the tongues of strife cease against you, not only are you have a heritage and inheritance, he says, and their righteousness is of me. Their righteousness. Righteousness, which is his righteousness, comes from, originates, is from him. That is one of your blood bought benefits when you get born again. You are an heir of God a joint heir with Jesus Christ and you have been taken from one family darkness into the family or into the kingdom of God and in his kingdom there is righteousness there is peace anybody else know what else is in the kingdom and joy in the kingdom of God. Now let's look at a couple of scriptures concerning our righteousness because it's extremely important for us to know that we are in right standing with Him if we're going to stand against the enemy and the weapons that come from the enemy. Look with me at uh, 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, and notice with me, a verse in uh, the 21st verse, chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, and verse 21. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Our righteousness is of Him. Verse 21. For he, now that's speaking of the Father God, has made him, that's speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, to be sin for us. He didn't need to be made sin for himself. He was the sinless, spotless Son of God. He became our substitute and he became sin with our sinfulness. I'm glad he did. Because if he hadn't become sin with my sinfulness, I'd be in hell right now. I wouldn't have made it. And neither would you have. For he hath made him, Jesus, to be sin with our sinfulness, who knew no sin, that we might be now notice this word that we might be made yes. Yes. made not something that we grow into, exactly. not as something that we achieve by our own merits or our own ingenuity, mm-hmm. He made us new creations, yeah. and when he made us new creations. He made us the righteousness of God in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We have not been made in the USA. We've been made in the kingdom of heaven. We've been made in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. The very righteousness of the father in Christ Jesus. look at it again now. For he hath made him to be sin for us. He became sin with your sinful condition that you might be made righteous with his righteous condition. He made him to be sin for you who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So, seeing then that 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 is true, that comes by faith in the blood. That comes by faith in the work of Christ and in this right standing with God and in this righteousness, no weapon that is formed against you is going to prosper. But now, this right standing with your Father positions you and places you in the very presence of God just as if sin never existed before. Without a sense of guilt. Without a sense of condemnation. Without an inferiority complex. Come on. This is why we must continuously keep our minds renewed to redemptive realities like this. Yeah. Because the enemy will hound you and try to bring you down and accuse you and come against you. So, this is a vital, vital relationship and a vital revelation. Now, look, look over at Romans chapter 5. We're in the neighborhood. Romans, the fifth chapter. And notice with me in verse 17. Romans 5, verse 17. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Great verse here. Well, the verses are all great, aren't they? Verse 17. For if by one man's offense, this is speaking of Adam's transgression... Death begin to reign through Adam's transgression, but now, much more they which receive what abundance. abundance of grace he's not talking about a little dabble, do you here, like the old brill cream ad he's talking about an abundance of grace that He has made available to us that must be received by faith. Notice this verse. Much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Again, this righteousness is a free gift it's a free gift and the gift of righteousness they who do so will then begin to reign in life I can hear Fred Price teaching this back in the 70's he says you are either reigning in life or your life is reigning on you which will it be As for me and my hacienda, you didn't know I was part Spanish. As for me and my house, we have made the determination that we're not going to be rained on. Poverty ain't going to rain on me. Sickness and disease ain't going to rain on me. But in Christ Jesus and through Christ Jesus, we are going to reign in life. Reign in life not when we all get to heaven we'll sing and shout the victory no we're singing and shouting the victory now because we're in right standing with him and we are reigning in life right. yes. Hallelujah. Reigning, reigning ruling yes. one translation says this we shall reign as kings in life under the king of kings amen And where the word of a king is, there's power. Hallelujah. So again, righteousness is not something that we grow into. It's a gift. When I was born on November 5th, 1950, that'll make me 69 years old on November 5th, 1950. I look pretty good for a 68-year-old guy. You just got to admit it. <laughs> Doing all right for a 68-year-old. Most guys my age live in Hawaii. Yeah. Or under a bridge. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. But there ain't no retirement in my soul. Mm. There's only retirement. Yeah. Yeah. How did we get off on that? <laughs> did anybody know where I was? Reigning. That's right. We're reigning in life. Amen. So this means then there are going to be some things that come against us that we're going to have to reign over. That word reign there would be another way you could say we shall be given authority and we shall exercise this authority in life. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You and I are authorized to reign. Reign. Reigning through our right standing with God. I like that, don't you? So these are part of our our blood-bought benefits. So here's what we have said in the last few weeks. We have said... From this principle, no weapon formed against us shall prosper. And God has given us weapons to contradict and overcome the weapons formed against us. Okay? And we looked at weapon number one, the Word of God. Jesus demonstrated reigning in life and exercising authority when the enemy came to tempt him. He said, it is written, it is written, it is also written. And the devil left him, did he not? And then last week, we talked about having faith in the name. Weapon number two. Everyone say, I've been given the name, which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of things in earth and things under the earth. And every tongue shall confess. Everyone say that Jesus Christ is Lord. Tonight, we want to talk about the blood-bought benefit of the blood of Jesus. Faith in the blood. It is a mighty weapon against our enemy. How many of you know that Jesus was bold? Can we think of a time in his earthly ministry when he was bold. You can think of of several instances where he demonstrated boldness toward the enemy. Uh, A great example is found over in Mark chapter 1. Let's look at that. Mark the first chapter and uh, notice verses 23 through 26. Mark chapter 1 verses 23 through 26. So don't think it's strange when the fiery trial comes. Don't think it's strange when you're put to the test. Just enter into rest. Rest in your righteousness. Rest in your authority. And from your seat of authority, take the word. Take the name. Plead the blood. And put the enemy on the run. What chapter did I say? Mark, chapter one. Mark the first chapter. And where are we beginning? In verse 23. Okay. We're slowing down purposely because we want to rest our eyes on the scripture. So bring your Bible to church. Mark chapter 1 verse 23. And there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Did devils go to church? (laughs) Well, in that case, they did. I'm not saying there's any devils here tonight. But if we run into one, we'll do what's necessary. And there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out. And here's what he said, Lord, let us alone. What have we to do with thee, thou Jesus of Nazareth? Art thou come to destroy us? I know who you are. You're the Holy One of God. Now notice Jesus. And Jesus rebuked him, saying, Hold thy peace and come out of him. Next verse. And they were all amazed in so much that they questioned among themselves, saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? Verse 26, it says, and when the unclean spirit had torn him, he cried with a loud voice and he came out of him. What do you do with demons when they show up? Here's what Jesus did. He said, shut up and come out. Don't have to ask them their names. Don't have to ask them how long they've been there. Don't have to go into their mother's womb and get the history of when it entered. No, just shut up and come out. One translation says, hush up and be mugged. (laughs) Be mugged. Hush up. Shut up. You know, we need to tell the devil to shut up. When he comes to lie to our souls and to our minds, so Jesus was bold whenever he encountered the devil, and he wants us to be bold also. Look at First John chapter four, verse sixteen through eighteen. So he said, "Well, that was Jesus, you know. I mean, you know, after all that, you know, he was the Son of God. That was Jesus, and." I'm just not sure whether I can do that. Well, why would He give you the name? Why would He give you His Word? Why would He put you into right standing with God and tell you to reign in life if He didn't authorize you to do the same thing? Look at 1 John, the fourth chapter, and notice with me in verse 16 through 18. It says here, and we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have what? Bold. That we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Now read these next, this next phrase with me. Because as he is... So are we. Let's read it again. Because... As he is, so are we. One more time. Because as he is, so are we. When we get to heaven? No, right now. Someday in the sweet pie in the sky. No. It says, as he is, so are we. Jesus said, The Father that dwelleth in me, He doeth the works. Paul, writing to the church at Corinth, Corinth said this, He that is joined unto the Lord. Have you been joined to the Lord? You have through the new birth. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You are one with Him. He is one with you. Amen. And as he is, and as he did while he walked the earth, so are we, and so can we do. That's why he said, if you believe in me, the works that I did, you're going to do also. And greater works than these shall I do, because I go to my Father. Isn't that good news? So again... Jesus was bold whenever He encountered the devil and He wants us to be bold also. Amen. Now, everyone say blood bought, purchased by the blood, boldness. 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 Look at Proverbs 28 and notice with me in verse 1. Well, I'm praying for boldness. You don't have to pray for boldness. You don't have to pray for boldness, any more than you have to pray to become the righteousness of God in him, any more than you need to pray to become a new creation. If you're born again, you already is. Mm-hmm. Now notice this in Proverbs 28 and verse one: "Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Are you glad you're born of God? Look at here now. Proverbs 28 1. It says, The wicked flee when no man pursueth, but oh the righteous. The righteous. The righteous. Those that are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. The righteous. The righteous, the scripture says, they are bold as a lion. So I'm not praying for boldness. All I must do is exercise my boldness. 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 We can be bold in three areas of life. Number one, we have boldness to enter in to the holiest by the blood of Jesus. He told us in Hebrews, the fourth chapter, in verse 16, he said, Therefore, come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. So, entrance into the very presence of God, we have been given access because we have been made the righteousness of God. Secondly, we can be bold toward the enemy just like Jesus was. And then thirdly, we can be bold toward man. Say it with me, the righteous righteous. are bold as a lion. lion. Now, Brenda and I met back in uh, 1976 over there in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. She grew up in Pawnee, Oklahoma which is about 60 miles from Broken Arrow Broken Arrow is a suburb many of you know of Tulsa, Oklahoma I came from Minneapolis, Minnesota a city boy and we met at Rema. and uh, we liked each other we'd make goo-goo eyes goo eyes at each other during class and uh Man, I'll tell you, she took really good care of me back in those days because I didn't have a car. And uh, she cooked for me, and she picked me up, praise the Lord, from work. And uh, she brought me Brahms chocolate chip cookies. And that and, uh, she worked at Brahms. You know, she, she served ice cream and cooked burgers. And I just call her up, and she'd drive 20, 25 miles to pick me up from work. What a blessing. Because in those days, you know, you went to Rhema at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then you got off at about noon, and then you would immediately go to your job. And the job that I had was down downtown Oklahoma, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma, at a machine shop of all places. I'll tell you, it, Brother George, it was the grace of God that, that I got a job at a machine shop. Because I barely knew the difference between a hammer and a screwdriver. And they let me know about it down there. But it was the grace of God. So Brenda and I, you know, we, we fell in love. And then July twenty second, 1977, praise the Lord, we got married. Amen. We got married in a fever. Amen. We got married. And so down there in Oklahoma, there, you know... In those days, and really in these days as well, I mean there are a myriad of preachers down there. I mean the Dohertys, uh, the Hagens, the Georges, uh, the Brazies, just uh, all over the city. There's church after church after church. A multitude of preachers. A lot of the folks that went to Rama, you know, stayed in Tulsa, so the churches are full. I mean, it's not like this out in California. I mean, the churches, for the most part, are full and they're overflowing. Thank God for it. Amen. Amen. But back in those days, there was a, 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 an English preacher. How many of you know Smith Wigglesworth was English? Powerful man of God, right? Well, there was an English preacher back in those days. His name was Charles Duncombe. Charles Duncombe. And he had an English accent. And Charles' uh, ministry headquarters was outside of Tulsa a little bit, actually kind of on the way to where Brenda's hometown was, Pawnee, Oklahoma. And he had a ministry's headquarter there. And he was a powerful man of God. I believe that he was affiliated and knew Wigglesworth, and he was an older man at the time. And so uh, he stopped one day. Now bear in mind this. The righteous are what? Bold. The righteous are bold as a lion. We have boldness by the blood. We have boldness because we're in right standing with Him. Amen. Amen. Well, anyway, he stopped to get some gasoline. And uh, he uh, pulled up next to a guy, and the guy had tattoos all over him. And, you know, I mean, I'm not making any negative con- uh, you know, comments about tattoos, you know. But uh, he noticed that uh, when this guy was putting his gas in, he noticed that there was this statement on his arm, born to raise hell. Born to raise hell. Brother Duncan thought, oh, yeah, he, he looks like it. <laughs> and, uh, of course, people that are born to raise hell can be born again. Thank God for that. Amen? Amen. The same God who saved you will save them. But Brother Duncan didn't say anything to him, but he had this thought from the Holy Spirit. He says, He may have been born or think he's born to raise hell, but I have been born again to raise hell. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the kind of raise that was on the arm of the guy with the tattoo was R A I S E raise it, cause trouble. But the kind of R-A-Z-E that Charles Duncan was talking about, he's been born to raise hell, to push it out of the way, to mow it over, to remove it, amen, to sever it from people's lives. And you know, I just have this feeling tonight that I'm looking at a congregation full of hell raisers. Amen. Have you been born to raise hell? Now, don't get religious on me. I'm not talking about going out and partying. I'm talking about destroying, hallelujah, and enforcing Satan's defeat. When we see him, we raise him. We push him out of the way. We cut him down. We move him out of the way. Born to raise hell. Glory to God. I like that. I hope you did. Amen. Now, look over at Revelation chapter 12. Verse 10 through 11. And we will fix to close here in a few moments. But I want you to see something here in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10 and verse 11. Verse 10 says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now is come salvation, deliverance, and strength. And the kingdom of our God and the power of His Christ for the accuser, the accuser of our brethren is what? Cast. Is cast down. Which, what did He do? He accused them before our God day and night. Night and day. Day and night. The accuser of the brethren. Tony Cook, who's in Brazil right now, he's been over there for almost a month. And uh, Tony Cook preached a message years and years ago called Satan, the accuser, the abuser, but the all-time loser. He is a loser. Amen? And you get the, 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 the joy of enforcing his defeat every day. So we see here, that he is the accuser of the brethren. He brings accusations before God about us or about some of our brothers or some of our sisters. But now notice with me in verse 11. Here's what happens to the accused when they have a revelation that they're no longer subject to the devil, but that the devil is subject to them. Here's what happens. And they, those that the enemy has been walking about seeking whom he may devour before the throne of God day and night, bringing his accusations, and they, those in right standing with God, and they overcame him, come on somebody, by the blood of the Lamb. We overcome because of the blood of the Lamb. Now read the rest with me. And by the word of our testimony. It's one thing to be an overcomer, but it's another thing to release that overcoming power with faith-filled words. I overcome because of the blood of the Lamb and by the rhema of my testimony. So, for every terror filled thought, God has got a great, exceeding precious promise for you to speak against that accuser, that abuser, and that loser. Roy Hicks said this. He said, Well, let's read verse 11 again. Ready, read. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, our weapon and by the word of their testimony. How many of you remember Roy Hicks? Not many of you do. Roy Hicks is in heaven now. Roy Hicks spoke at our church many, many years ago when we were over on Wicks Boulevard. 15225 Wicks Boulevard, San Leandro, California. Formerly Marina High School. Right? He spoke there one Sunday night I went golfing with him the next day. He was an older man and he whooped me. And it's not hard to whip me in golf, is it, Brother George? (laughs) But one thing about Roy Hicks was he was a man of faith. He was one of the presbyters or overseers, if you you will, or bishops, presbyter, of the Foursquare Church. Foursquare Church was founded by Amos Simple McPherson, a powerful woman of God. And there's great four-square churches all over this nation. There's a great one in San Leandro. There's great four-square ministers and pastors all over the place. But Roy kind of was out of the ordinary, if you will, from the pack of that specific dem- denomination because he talked a lot about faith. He followed Brother Hagan very closely. Now, how many of you have ever seen the... Uh, uh, the video of El Shaddai The God Who's More Than Enough by Dad Hagen. this happened in 1974 1974 and Dad was preaching on El Shaddai The God Who's More Than Enough and he, he took what he would call an East Texas Rush, Brush Arbor spell that means he'd run around the building a couple times but Roy Hicks was right there in the front row taking everything in So Roy was a man of faith, and he believed in faith-filled words and releasing our faith. Here's what he said. Uh, They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony. He says, This is the heart of faith's confession, based in the Word and in the blood of the Lamb. He goes on to say this. I won't read it all. His accusing voice of condemnation and guilt... Is swallowed up by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Amen. How many have ever heard the phrase, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus? We plead the blood of Jesus a lot around here. In the name of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus over our family. Well, I pled the blood of Jesus over Brendan, the girls today. They had to go from Disneyland to Culver City and Uber. And I said, in Jesus' name, I plead the blood over that car. And they made it safely. Amen. But we plead the blood of Jesus over our property. We plead the blood of Jesus in the name of Jesus over our minds. In the name of Jesus, we plead the blood of Jesus over our nation, do we not? Listen to what one man said about pleading the blood, and we'll close. He said, pleading the blood is actually a legal term think of it as a lawyer pleading his case before the judge. He presents the evidence and the facts that support the case. And when the accuser says, we're guilty, our plea before God, the righteous judge, is the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus. That may have happened. I may have done that. But the man who did that is no longer alive. For I am dead and my life is hid with Christ in God. Amen? Amen. He goes on to say, and this works even after you're born again. He said this, the blood is your defense. It declares we are not guilty, but we are free from the penalty of sin. The blood also gives us authority and dominion everyone say authority, authority. And, dominion. and dominion we shall reign, we shall reign. in life the blood also gives us the authority and dominion to resist satan and put him out of all the affairs of our lives and our family's lives Hallelujah. you like that yeah. because of jesus sacrifice at calvary the devil has no legal right to interfere in our lives anymore Amen. he says you're guilty you're guilty we plead the blood Amen. we have every right and every provision to walk in victory through the precious blood of the lamb pastor Tom please come Amen. every day Hallelujah. every day guys plead the blood don't forget to plead the blood. When you feel a little sad and you feel a little down, have a conversation with your soul. Say, soul, hear me now. I plead the blood over my mind. Every day, he says, we have the, exer- we have the right to exercise that authority by pleading what the blood have Je- of Jesus has done for us. Let's stand to our feet. And I'm going to read this last sentence. Let this word that was preached tonight get in you. You've got blood-bought boldness. You've got blood-bought righteousness. It's a mighty weapon of your warfare. In closing, he said this, Now refuse to give the enemy one small inch of territory. Satan is a defeated foe through the precious blood of Jesus. Jesus. We are victorious. Let's just raise our hand and say, Thank you, Lord. I receive the engrafted word tonight. In the name of Jesus, I take my blood bought boldness. And in your name, the name above every name, the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Jesus over my heart, over my mind. Over my body, over all my loved ones, over all of my church, over this great nation. We apply the blood of the Lamb in every area of our lives. And we thank you that we are overcomers.